Matthew chapter 24, for those of you who are just uh, joining us, uh, we're not taking a trip to Hawaii, I don't know how many of you saw that. For those of you that are just joining us, uh, we are in a study this summer that we have simply called Endgame. And in this series, we are actually studying Matthew 24, which is where Jesus is speaking to his disciples exclusively about the events surrounding his second coming, the end of the age as we know it, and the ushering in of the kingdom of God. And we have said right from the very beginning that as we look at this material, we are staying away from speculation and from sensationalizing the material, and we are looking at it through a very practical lens, which is to say that we're studying the material so that we might know what it means to us today, how it will help us live more effectively and how it will push us to a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord. So we're really not looking at the end times as much as we're really looking at the times that we live in. And what can we gain from this information so that we can live effectively now for the glory of God? Now we've covered a lot of material. So far we've established the context Jesus wasn't just speaking about the end times. He was addressing uh, an issue that had happened. Jesus had just delivered a very provocative prophecy concerning the absolute and total destruction of the temple in that day. And when the disciples heard that, they became very inquisitive, very curious. And so they sat with Jesus and they asked him, When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And it was at this point that Jesus began to give them six signs that will indicate that they are living in the days of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And again, it's very important to remember, he's not saying that any one of these means that his coming is any more imminent than it's ever been but rather that these signs just indicate your living in the days of the imminent return of Christ, that He could come at any moment and you need to be ready. Jesus said that all of these signs have always been with you and will always be with you until I come again. But the truth is, the closer that we get to the coming of the Lord, there is going to be an increase of each one of these things in frequency and in intensity. And again, we can see all of these signs intensifying and happening more frequently, even in the days that we live in. Now, last week, we looked at a mysterious figure that is found in the Word of God, that the Bible refers to as the Antichrist, refers to him as the man of sin, the beast. There are a number of names that I even gave to you last week that the Bible refers to him. But the Bible tells us that he is a political figure that is at some point in the future, and how far into the future we do not know, but at some point in the future, this political figure known as the Antichrist is actually going to step upon the world scene at a time of global crisis. 
The Bible indicates us that, that the world is going to be in a time of upheaval, of global crisis, and this political figure is going to step forward, and he is going to appear to have all of the answers, that he is going to have all of the solutions to all of the struggles that the globe is experiencing at that time. We're told that he is going to have a satanically inspired wisdom and he is going to step forward and he's going to be able to solve all that we are facing as a global community at that time. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that he is going to introduce a peace treaty between Israel and all of the surrounding nations that oppose them And they are going to enter into a peace agreement with each other. And for the very first time in the Middle East, there is going to be peace. There hasn't been peace in the Middle East, as I said last week, since Ishmael was born to Abraham. But for the first time, there will be peace in the Middle East. And it will be an unprecedented time of peace. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that men and women will be crying out, peace and safety. They'll feel like we finally have what we've been hoping for, what we've been praying for, and that is global peace. And everyone will just gravitate to this leader because he will have all of the answers and he will provide such excellent um, leadership. And for the next three and a half years, he is going to begin to consolidate his power. He is going to introduce a one-world government, a one-world economy. It will be a global community. Folks, isn't it interesting that today there is a movement towards being a global community? And so don't think it's far-fetched when we say a global government, a global economy. And that is what the Bible indicates is coming at some point in the future. And it will be led by this political figure, again known as the Antichrist. Now, three and a half years after signing that peace agreement, this Antichrist is going to commit an act of great abomination. Jesus referred to it in Matthew 24, we're going to read it again in a moment, as the abomination of desolation. What that means literally is it's an abomination that makes desolation. He is going to do some abominable act before God that is going to bring about a mass desolation. Maybe you'll get a glimpse of that here today. What the Bible indicates to us is that three years after that peace accord is signed, This Antichrist is going to enter into a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He's going to walk into the holy place, and rather than give glory to God, he is going to blaspheme God, he is going to exalt himself as God, and is going to set up an image of himself and command the whole world to not only follow his leadership, but to actually worship him as God. And the Bible tells us that every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will worship the image of that beast. And it's at this point that the cup of God's wrath will be filled and God will justifiably pour out His wrath upon the earth for the remaining three and a half years. And that is going to be an unprecedented time of horror. 
God will be judging the world for its collective and its cumulative rejection of God's love through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so He justifiably will pour out His wrath upon all of mankind. Now, that is a sensational story. It really is. We understand that. And that's why movies have been made about it. And that's why books have been written about it. Because it's very sensational. But the question is, what does it have to do with you and I? Well, what it has to do with you and I is the fact, and we pointed this out last week, that John, the disciple of Jesus Christ, said in his letter that though there is an Antichrist coming, that the spirit of Antichrist is already here. And the spirit of Antichrist is, again, the mindset of the Antichrist. It is the way of thinking that the Antichrist will possess. That mindset, that way of thinking is already at work in the earth today. Paul said something very similar in his letter to the Thessalonians when he said that although the lawless one is coming, he says the mystery of lawlessness or the ways of lawlessness are already at work right now. What we said last week is we should not be caught up in a coming antichrist We need to be deeply concerned about the spirit of Antichrist that is already here right now. That we shouldn't be that concerned about a coming lawless one as much as we are concerned about the mystery of lawlessness that is already in the earth today in an operation. Folks, that is how it applies to my life. The only reason that I am intrigued with this Antichrist figure and knowing about him is I want to be able to detect that spirit that is already here today. And what we said last week is that the spirit of Antichrist, this mystery of lawlessness, is nothing more than man worship. It is nothing more than the exaltation of man and the humanizing of Almighty God. It is lifting up man so that we serve ourselves and bringing down God so that all he is is a patsy that simply blesses me as I live my life the way I want to. And that is literally what you see in the world today. Men and women are casting off restraint and they are living lawlessly. They do not obey the laws of God. They do not obey the laws of nature. Whatever feels good, I will do it. No one has a right to tell me how I'm going to live my life and conduct myself. I will live the way I want to because I am God. And what is tragic is that that has found its way right into the church. As today, increasingly, we see man being exalted and we see God being humanized. Where literally God's grace is no longer restraining me to live the way God has commanded me to live, but now I see grace as a license to live my life the way that I want to live with no fear of repercussions. The other day I read an article by a pastor who said, sin is not a big deal. Don't even worry about sin. Don't even worry about how you live your life. You are free to live your life any way you want to because grace covers it all. Don't worry about being submitted. 
Don't worry about the Word of God. Live your life as you please because God has already chosen to forgive you if you make a mistake. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you ever hear anything like that, you need to run as fast as you can. That is the spirit of Antichrist. Grace was never a license for you to keep on sinning. Grace was meant to restrain your heart, to be submitted to God and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in Jesus' name. And that spirit of Antichrist is already with us. I'm going to tell you, we need to be on high alert. We need to make sure that there are no other gods before him in our lives, including ourselves. In Jesus' name. Now, okay, this morning we are going to look at a warning that Jesus gave to all who would be alive at the time when all of these events begin to happen who are living in that region, okay? We're going to look into a warning and also a plan that he gave to all who would be alive in that region who saw all of these things come to pass, He gave them specific instructions that would ultimately save their lives if they were willing to listen to it. And again, I've got to divide this message into two parts. The first part of this message, we're actually going to be looking at what the Bible says will come to pass in the future. But then we're going to look at how that applies to you and I right now. We're not even going to see that if we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. But I believe that within the instructions that God gives to those who are alive to see it, we actually find a plan and a strategy for living in the perilous days we live in and how to flee from the spirit of Antichrist that is already in the world today in Jesus' name. So with that in mind, look with me. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to begin at verse number 15. Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, we just talked about it, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, now listen to this, whoever reads, let him understand. He's saying, if you're going to take the time to read this, you might as well apply yourself to understand it. Little good it's going to be for you to read it. And not take it into heart and understand it. If you read it, take the discipline in order to understand what he is saying. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, Those days will be shortened. Now really, as I was reading that this week, the thought occurred to me, this doesn't need a lot of explanation. Jesus is simply speaking to those Jews primarily living in that region of the world at the time that this abomination occurs, flee to the mountain. There's no way to expound upon that. 
He just says, the moment that you see that Antichrist go into the temple and blaspheme God, do not hesitate, flee into the mountain. Get out of there as quickly and as swiftly as possible because it is at this point that the Antichrist, possessed by Satan himself, will show his true colors and he will unleash his wrath upon the people of Israel seeking to destroy them once and for all. You know, I don't know if you've ever really considered it, but isn't it interesting that there has always been a satanically driven hatred toward the Jews and a desire to exterminate them from off the face of the earth? There is no other nation upon this planet that has been more persecuted than the Jewish nation. And the reason that is, is because they are God's covenant people. And even though Christ has come, and He is the only way unto salvation for Jew and for Greek, God has also promised that He is going to redeem Israel to Himself one last time. And from that moment on, Satan has done everything he can to stop that, so that he can see God as being unfaithful to His Word. But how many of you know, God's Word will always come to pass in Jesus' name. I mean, consider this. In Exodus 2, Pharaoh sought to kill all of the Hebrew males. In Exodus 10, he tried to kill all of the Israelites who were backed up against the Red Sea. In Numbers 22, Moab tried to destroy them in the desert. In Judges 11, the combined armies of all the Canaanites tried to destroy them. In Judges 16, the surrounding nations attempted to exterminate them. In 2 Kings 17, the Assyrians attacked them. In 2 Chronicles 38, the Babylonians attacked them. In Esther 3, you may remember, Haman tried to kill all of the Jews through the Persian Empire. You may remember in Matthew 2, King Herod had all of the male Israeli babies, two years old and younger, put to death in an attempt to kill the baby Christ. The Roman army destroyed Judea and Jerusalem twice in 70 AD and 135 AD. And you all know Hitler organized the final solution that claimed the lives of over six million Jews. Folks, there is an intense hatred for Israel that can only be explained by being demonically imposed. It, it, is, it is a satanic agenda. And even now we see the rise of Hamas and other terrorist organizations that have sworn that one day they will eradicate the nation of Israel. And one last time, Satan is going to attempt to eradicate Jews from the face of this earth through this Antichrist. And Jesus says to those Jews living in Judea at the time that this abomination takes place, when you see it happen, he says, flee to the mountains. Flee like a fugitive, literally is what that word means. Flee just like someone who would escape from prison. Don't stop. Don't grab anything that you don't need. Drop everything you're doing and flee for your life. He says, go to the mountains and the caves. He says, let those on the rooftops not go down and get anything from the house, just run. You know, in that particular region at that time, 
In the evening, the Jews would typically go on top of their roof. They had a staircase alongside their house on the outside. And so they would come up and they would go up onto their flat roofs in the evening to cool off and to just unwind through the evening. And then they would come down sometimes later in the evening. Sometimes they would stay up there all night to cool off, whatever the case may be. And so what Jesus was saying is, if this were to happen in the night... Get off the roof, but don't even go back into the house. Flee. Get to the mountains as quickly as you possibly can. Time is a factor. Don't take one more second than you need because that second you take could be the difference between life and death. He says, if you're in the fields, go home. don't go home and get any clothing. Just run. Jesus was deeply concerned about pregnant mothers and those who were nursing their newborn babies, obviously because they would struggle running and getting away, and also because of the fear that their wound would be tore open by the satanic army in that day, seeking to destroy the Jews on their way to safety. He says, pray that it doesn't happen in the winter, when the climate is cold and unpredictable. And he said, pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath, because obviously those who are Orthodox Jews would not travel at all on the Sabbath day, even if it cost them their life. And then he tells them why. Because these are very urgent words. Why does he say it? He says, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, now you think about this, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, the elect would be those who have called upon Christ during that time, for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. The reason that Jesus speaks with such urgency is that immediately following that abomination of desolation, a time of great tribulation will come upon the earth such as has never been seen before and the likes of which will never be seen again. Folks, I don't have time to go through all of the scriptures that speak of the terror that will be unleashed upon this planet the final three and a half years of its existence as we know it today. But I can tell you that from Revelation 6 to Revelation 19, we see God's judgment being poured out upon the earth in the form of seals being opened, trumpets being blown, and bowls being emptied. And as you go through those chapters, you see these judgments escalating, heightening, increasing, and intensifying in manner. It is going to be an unprecedented time of sorrow. In fact, Jesus said in Luke's account of the same story that it will become so difficult that men and women will begin to perish in fear in the expectation of those things coming upon the face of the earth. That literally men and women will die in fear because of all that is happening upon this planet. Think about this. Revelation 9 alone tells us. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third 
of mankind. Do you know what a third of mankind is? 2.5 billion people. There are only 300 million people living in the United States. 2.5 billion people will be destroyed in three and a half years. Now to put that in perspective, because, you know, it's hard. How do you get your mind around two and a half billion? But to give you some semblance, just to give you some kind of measure, okay? Until the 20th century, there had never been a war with one million fatalities. Until the 20th century, we had never seen a war where there were one million fatalities. But in 1914, we entered into World War I, which would see 8.2 million people lost in battle. 8.2 million. Now, 20 years later, we entered into World War II, which saw 52 million fatalities. Now, just think about that for a moment. For 6,000 years of recorded history, not one war had seen a million fatalities. And then in a matter of 20 years, 60 million were destroyed. But the Bible says that one day is coming that will make that look like it's tame because 2.5 billion people will be taken from this planet. And this is why Jesus says to those who are alive at that moment, flee. Don't return to your home. Don't get anything you think is precious. Just grab your children, let every enticement of this world go, and run to the mountains to save your life. Jesus said the days are going to be so deadly that if the days were not somehow miraculously shortened, no flesh would survive. Think about that. That no one would be able to survive the next three and a half years unless God had taken a supernatural action, and shortened the days. Now, we don't know what that looks like, but we do know this. In Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 8, you see sunlight being greatly diminished. How God is going to do this, we can only speculate, and we're staying away from speculation. We just know from Scripture that daylight is going to be greatly reduced in the last days. And it appears here from Scripture that God will, for the elect's sake, for those that have called upon the name of Christ in that hour, shorten the days in mercy. And if He didn't, no one would survive those days. Folks, can I tell you this? Serve Jesus passionately every day. Can I just serve Him? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who knows their God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Do not take your salvation lightly, folks, because I'm going to tell you, we may have brief intermissions where there is peace, but things are going to wax worse and worse. And the only ones who are going to make it through the hour are those whose faith is firmly fixed in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our personal Savior. Now, what does all of this mean to us? I mean, that is spectacular, but what does that mean for me right now? Well, stay with me. As I said last week, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. 
and the mystery of lawlessness, the ways of lawlessness are already at work in the earth. And just as those who are alive when they see this abomination of desolation are to follow his explicit instructions, we who now see the spirit of Antichrist and the mystery of lawlessness rising in this hour must follow this same plan of escape. You see... This is going to happen some point in the future and it will be physically revealed. But there is a spiritual revelation of these same things happening right now. Do you know that there are two things we know from Scripture that must occur before the day of the Lord occurs? It comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse 3. Paul put it this way, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first, unless there is a great falling away from the faith, and the man of sin, that's the Antichrist, is revealed the son of perdition or the son of destruction. Paul said, you know that that day of the Lord is not going to come until you first see a great falling away of the faith, And there is a revelation of the man of sin, the Antichrist. Well, folks, we know that that is going to happen, but it is already happening right now. You see, the falling away was mentioned by Jesus just a couple of weeks ago in Matthew 24, when in verse 12 he said, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, and that is to the church. Jesus said, lawlessness is going to abound. Men and women are going to cast off restraint. They're going to live their lives any way they want to. They're not going to submit to any authority. They're not going to submit to God's word. They're not going to submit to those who are teaching them the word of God. They're going to live lawless lives. And because of their lawlessness, their love for God that they once had is going to grow cold. The other day I had a pastor that called me. Just for some counsel. And he said that there is a very prominent family within his church. That one of the family members is, is dating. And they found out that in, in just the course of conversation. That they're actually not dating. They're living together. And as they live together. The man she's living with is not even divorced yet. But they're continuing in ministry. How do we handle that? Because the family has already said, if you discipline us, we're leaving. I'm going to tell you folks, that's lawlessness. That is the spirit of Antichrist. I I don't care what the Word of God says. I don't care what the man of God says. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And God is just going to have to forgive me. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it is here right now. The falling away has occurred. The spirit of Antichrist is rising. And folks, knowing that, we need to implement the same plan for the future right now. What is that plan? Number one, flee to the mountain. Flee to the mountain, not the mountains, but to the mountain proper. We'll get there in just a moment. I'm going to tell you folks, in this hour, when you see the spirit of Antichrist, you need to flee to the Lord. Have you ever considered the times in Scripture that we as believers are commanded to flee? Think about this. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, in verse number 7, Who warns you to flee from the wrath 
to come. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, Paul said, flee sexual immorality. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 14, he said, flee from idolatry. In 1 Timothy 6, 10 and 11, he said, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man or woman of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And Finally, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, he says, flee also youthful lusts. The idea behind flee is the moment you get an opportunity to break free, you break, you don't look back, you don't grab anything, you run and you never look back again. Folks, my mind immediately this morning, even as I was going over these notes, went to Joseph when he was being propositioned by Potiphar's wife. Remember, she grabbed him by his cloak and said, come and sleep with me. And the Bible says that he left his cloak right in her hand and he ran as fast as he could. Folks, that is the idea. The Antichrist spirit is grabbing you and it's propositioning you. You don't have to listen to God. You need to leave your cloak in his hand and you need to run as fast as you possibly can and save your soul in these lives. Last days in Jesus' name. As I said to you a moment ago, that the idea that's being carried and fleeing there is the act of a, of a fugitive that is fleeing for escape. In this case, we are fleeing for escape from death. Jesus said to those who were alive at that time that death is so certain, it is so imminent that if they were to turn back or go back, they would not survive, that they would die. I'm going to tell you folks, the days that we are living in are evil. The spirit of Antichrist and the lawless one is already here and we need to flee for our spiritual lives because if we don't, death is imminent. We need to look around and say, I don't need that, I don't want that. That is keeping me from God I'm going to tell you We need to get hungry for God Because these days are going to be so destructive Flee to God In Jesus mighty name You see it's not fleeing from As much as it is fleeing to We are not to be fleeing for fear We are to be fleeing to hope In Jesus Christ alone I love what David said in Psalm 121 He says I will lift up my eyes to the hills From whence cometh my help My help comes from the Lord Who made heaven and earth He will not allow your foot to be moved He who keeps you will not slumber Before he, Behold he who keeps Israel Shall neither slumber nor sleep. How many of you are glad that your help comes from the Lord and He will not allow your feet to be moved no matter how difficult the days become? Amen. He said in Psalm 61 in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Proverbs 18 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. As your pastor, can I tell you, you need to flee from everything, from every entertainment from every friend that is dragging you back into the spirit of antichrist don't negotiate don't get involved don't justify don't rationalize it run run flee from it depart from this hour in jesus mighty name
Come on, give Him praise. Secondly, don't go back. I know that sounds strange, but when you flee, don't go back. He says, those of you that are in the field, if it happens, don't go back home. Drop it right there. Run as fast as you can. Don't go back. Listen to me, folks. If you have made a decision to flee to Christ, don't go back to your old life. Don't go back to those old habits. Don't go back to that old way of thinking. Don't go back to those old relationships. Run as fast as you can. Because every second you play around with sin, the more you play with your eternal soul. Every time we return to the things we've run from, it gets harder to break free from the next time. That is a spiritual principle. We think we can just keep going back and forth. I'm going to tell you folks, the more often you go back to the things you are running from, the harder it is to get away from it. Run and keep running to Jesus Christ. Just feel a so urgent. I know I, I, I don't like to sound like I'm mean here today, but there is such an urgency in my soul this morning. Serve the Lord. Come out of this antichrist spirit. Some of you, while you sit there, you have no sense of urgency within your own heart, and you don't even realize that you've drifted away from God. And as we said last week, you've already taken the mark of the Antichrist because you serve yourself and not God. Jesus said in John 5 and verse 14, afterward he found a man in the temple that he had healed and he said, see, you have, made, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He says, I've set you free. I've delivered you. Now stay free. Don't go back to sin. Something worse will come to you. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 it says, For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Peter said it would be better that you never heard the commandment of truth than to hear it and then turn back to your old life. Folks, stay away from it. It also says in Luke 9 and verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Listen to me, folks. There is not one relationship you have. There is not one possession you have. There is not one pleasure that you enjoy in your life that is worth losing your soul for. Flee from it and go to Christ and stay there in Jesus' mighty name. Next, guard your family. Guard your family. You know, Jesus had a great concern for pregnant moms and for those who were nursing at the time that these events took place, because within them was the next generation. I'm going to tell you, folks, as you look to apply that, you need to guard your family, because the next generation of believers is in your home or in your belly right now, Mom, is in your loins, Dad. Please listen to me. If the enemy is after anything in this hour, it is the family. 
Because outside of Christ, the family has the greatest impact on our lives. Because long before a child reaches an age where they become accountable to what is right and wrong, they are already forming a sense of what is right and what is wrong and what is proper and what is not proper by watching and listening to mom and dad. Listen to me, mom and dad. If you're going to raise a child in this hour, you better be raising them in the way that they need to be going. And there are too many parents that do not take that seriously. But your children are determining what is right and what is wrong, what is proper, what is not proper, by what they see you doing. If they don't see you pray, why do you think that they would pray? If they don't see you reading the Word of God, then why would they read the Word of God? If they don't see you up and ready to go on Sunday morning and say, we're going to the house of the Lord today, then why would you think that they would have any hunger or thirst to be in the house of God? you got to be what you want them to be in the future in Jesus mighty name guard your family dad fight for your marriage be a man of God honor God love your wife discipline your children with truth and with mercy mom respect your husband love your children in truth and mercy children honor your mother and father that it would be long upon the earth and it would go well with you obey them as you would Christ and I know that sometimes we don't want to hear this kind of preaching but I'm going to tell you we got to open up our eyes and understand that the attack on sexuality the attack on gender the attack on sex today is the enemy's attack to destroy the family because he knows if families are filled with the Spirit of God, he cannot stop them. Fight! 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 In Jesus' mighty name. I love what Joshua said as he's getting ready to pass on. He says... And if it seems evil to you, this is Joshua 24, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if you're offended by the commands of God and you don't want to do what He says, then choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. Whether those are the gods your father served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you're dwelling. But I'm going to tell you folks, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord God Almighty. Come on folks, guard your family. In Jesus' name. Watch and pray that you may escape. He told them specifically, pray. Isn't it interesting? Jesus told them, pray that this doesn't happen on the Sabbath. Pray that it doesn't happen in the winter. So Jesus was actually saying, you can alter the course of history by praying. Watch and pray that you may be able to escape these things. Luke 21, and I'm just going to give you some scriptures here. Luke 21 verse 36 says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, Paul said, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. Folks, it's going to take strength and courage to live in the days that we live in and maintain our faith in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 4 and verse number 7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. What does it mean to watch and pray? It means that you are watching your life. 
you are monitoring what you are watching, what you are listening to, who you are hanging with. You are monitoring the thoughts that come into your mind. You are watching the events of time. You are watching everyone you're hanging out with. You are constantly guarding your heart and you commit it all to prayer because you realize that without God's help, you will never make it. I'm going to tell you folks, don't you take your salvation for granted. And think that because you're walking with the Lord right now, you're going to be walking with him in a month, in a year. Jesus said, watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy. Stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, folks. And then finally, remember God's grace is sufficient. No matter how difficult these days become, I want you to leave with this hope. God's grace is sufficient. He will see you through. Don't you love that last part that he says to them? He says, unless the days are shortened, no flesh will survive. And he said, but for the elect's sake, for those who have accepted Christ, the days will be shortened. And I just think, what a powerful word of grace. God says, I will even step in and supernaturally shorten the days just for my elect's sake. And I'm going to tell you, folks, you serve a God that no matter how difficult the days will become, He will supernaturally move in your life so He can see you through it in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody give God the praise for that this morning? I mean, just thank God for that. I don't... Listen, I don't know when all of these things are going to happen. I don't know if we're going to see the early stages of them. I don't know. I don't know how difficult the days are going to get. But I do know this. I serve a God who opened up the Red Sea for the children of Israel. I serve a God who made the sun stand still for the children of Israel so they could overcome the enemy. And if God can do that, God can do anything in our lives to sustain us. I don't want you to give up in this hour. Yes, the spirit of Antichrist is rising. Yes, there is a falling away happening right in our midst. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. He will see you through. He's given you a plan. Flee to him. Don't look back. Guard your family. Watch and pray. And remember, no matter what you face, His grace is sufficient in Jesus' name. Come on, give Him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Heads bowed, eyes closed all around this auditorium. This morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and there's no one looking around, I want to go back to what John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, I believe it was verse 7. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? These are frightening events that are some point in the future. Maybe none of us will even be around to see those things. But there is even a more terrifying wrath that is coming. At the end of this life, And that is eternal, everlasting judgment. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God.